0: Good morning. Yes, I am preaching today, Wes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. We are in the book of 1 Peter, so we're going to continue our series. And uh, so if you want to turn there, you'll be uh, prepared. And uh, my name is Pastor Jeff. It's actually just Jeff, but you can call me Pastor Jeff because I'm a pastor here at Crossroads. And I'm on staff with Pastor Matt and Pastor Kurt and uh, a team of elders. Hey, Joey. And uh, so a lot of our um, elders and deacons and um, several men from the church are away at uh, a retreat, Trace Dias, where they are serving. And they are serving uh, what do you, laboriously, <laughs> and I guess that's a good word for it. So I also am going to um, open up to First Peter, and we will get started today. So... My question this morning, have you ever found a stray dog? Okay, raise your hand if you've ever found a stray dog. All right. So, I have a little story. My, my wife and my kids went off to a park and uh, I was at home trying to catch up on some things. And I get this phone call from my wife. Hello? Jeff? Yeah? She said, can you do me a favor? And I said, I guess. She said, well, I'm cold, and I need a sweatshirt. Can you bring me a sweatshirt? And I said, okay, sure. So I found her a sweatshirt, drove over to the park, gave her a sweatshirt, and went home. About five minutes later, I get another call, Jeff, and I say, yes, and she says, can you do me another favor, and I say, I guess so, what's going on, and she said, I need you to bring me a towel and a bowl, like a dog bowl, because we found a stray dog. Jeff, are you there? <laughs> uh, I'm here. I'm just thinking about what you said. So you found a stray dog? Yeah. Yeah, I found a stray dog, and it, I can't pick it up. I, I'd like, like you to get me a towel so I can you know, gather, gather it together, and I want you to come and bring the dog home. Are you there? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm here, but like are are you sure you want to do this? I mean, it's like yeah, we we got to. It's the right thing. We asked all the people in the park and that I mean, it's the dog's hungry, you can tell. It's it's got it's it's not cared for and it's been out here for who knows how long. It looks like it's been out here for weeks. I'm like Are you sure? Because I mean, you could just give it, you know, some water and, you know, let it, let it be. And so I end up over at the park a few minutes later with a towel and the dog dish. And, and this dog comes home. We actually bring it to the vet. We see if it's got any ID, you know, the registration. You know, they scan it. And no, we can't figure out who the owner is. And so this dog is here. Now this dog, I mean, if you look at its face— it's rather cute, but you look at anything else, you're like, what is wrong with this animal? It's got this big bald spot like on its back, the, the, the hair stopped growing. And, and then there's a whole bunch of other hair like on its like hind region and like under its legs. And, and like, so this dog, it walks around the yard and it looks like it's trying to go to the bathroom. But you're like, not sure because, like, either it can't go to the bathroom because, like, something, you know, it's like sick, or like, it just gets all like into all of the other hair that's like grown around and, like, it's all just seems to collect underneath this dog. And so I'm like, okay. You know, then she wants the dog to be comfortable. And so we need to go get a space heater because it was kind of cold that week, you know, and, and then, you know, a warming pad so it can sleep on it. And, you know, and then it's like sleeping right at the, it's like on this step. I open the slider door and it's like, <sighs> <laughs> find another door. You know, this dog is just there. And I'm like, what is going on with this dog? this dog is in my space. Now, I tell the story because I know there's at least 20% of you that like are like, yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't want that stray dog in my house either, right? I know there's somebody out there. But I also share it because I'm like, this is a real good picture, I think, of kind of like, how my heart towards this dog is so contrasted towards my wife's and my kids' abundant affection for this stray dog. So yeah, now it's been brought to the vet again, and then we've invested into some stuff to get rid of fleas, you know, and like... Maybe maybe the dog's going uh, to make it. Maybe it's going to be healthy, you know, and uh, it's on its way. Hair seems to be growing back. It seems like it's a ha- happier dog, and we've trimmed up most of the dog, and uh, so it's looking good, right? It's looking good. Okay. I wanted to share that story of the stray dog and just kind of expose to you, you know, And maybe some of you identify what that feels like, to have a stray dog, and all of a sudden, you're taking care of it. All right. Well, I would like you to join me in prayer, and then we're going to read our passage for today. Okay? So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I uh, come before you. We come as the church. We are gathered here together in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. That's what's brought us together this morning. Lord, and we're opening up your word because we believe that it is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword, Lord. And it is the, the, the standard by which we live and we try to align ourselves, Lord. And it is from you. It's an expression of who you are and what you have done in this world. And, Lord, we want to know you and we want to know who we are and how you want us to live today, Lord, and how we're supposed to operate. Lord, I pray that today as we look at your word and as we ponder it, as we think about it, that you would expose to us uh, who you are and who we are. I pray that we would be more like your son Jesus Christ after having met today. I pray that we would be more encouraged. I pray that we would be more in fellowship. So Lord, those are only things that you can do through your spirit. And so I ask that your spirit would have free reign in our hearts and our minds this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. You have a question, Wes? I'll I'll take a question. Yeah, it's going to get, it's got the uh, the fleas taken care of, and it's going to get a shot. No, it got a shot. A rabies shot. That's a good question. So there's a comment like, so now you have a new addition to your family, and like just look at me, and I'm like, Uh, you know, this is not the dog that I wanted. You know, I I actually do want a dog, and it's called a golden retriever. And it's a puppy. My kids call this a puppy, but it's not. It's like eight years old already. I want a puppy, golden retriever, and it'll follow me around, and I'll cherish it. Um, And we're just going to go ahead and move on. Because now somebody thinks it's the dog that I needed. So let's go ahead. We're going to go to First Peter 5. All right. So let, let's read this. It says, Therefore, as a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of the Messiah, and also a participant in the glory about to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you, shepherd God's flock. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but freely. "'According to God's will, not for the money, but eagerly, "'not lording it over those entrusted to you, "'but being examples to the flock. "'And when the chief shepherd appears, "'you will receive the unfading crown of glory. "'In the same way, you younger men, be subject to the elders, "'and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, "'because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. "'Humble yourselves, therefore,' Under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your care on Him, because He cares for you. All right. So this passage it follows after a, a long uh, list of, of Peter just challenging his church to to live lives that are holy and, and honorable in this present day. Live a life that is is. Is holy and in line with who God is in spite of what unbelievers might think, what unbelievers might do to you, of whatever suffering you might experience. And Paul links himself and as he begins to transition, as a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of the Messiah, and then he says, and also a participant in the glory about to be revealed. Because last week we talked about the glory of God and the Holy Spirit that rests on you when you experience suffering. That's a beautiful promise right there. The, the presence and the, the Holy Spirit and his glory on you as you endure suffering for the, for the name of Christ. And so we talked about that last week. And then Paul says, I'm also a participant. In the glory that's about to be revealed. I've suffered with you, in other words. And in this place, as an elder, as a fellow elder, I want to exhort the elders among you. And when it talks about the elders, we have, I mean, the word could be old people. like But it's probably not just age, right? It is the maturity that comes along with it. And, and it's not just talking about, you know, being Uh, a grown adult, but it's talking about in the Lord, those who are mature and those who have spiritually uh, become uh, front runners or leaders. So I want to exhort, you know, leadership is a God manifestation. I mean, you get a group of people together and leadership seems to rise. It seems to surface almost itself in any group. But God gives his leaders of the church some specific instructions in this passage. And so why do you need to know? Maybe you're not feeling like you're a leader in this church, and you're not feeling like an elder. But the instructions that are given do apply to everyone. And so there is something for you to gain as you understand what God has challenged the elders to do and to be. And in this church, how we as a flock respond to our elders, that's something that we can consider. But also, all of us have a flock. All of us have people in our lives to serve and to care for and to tend to. So I think there's something in here for everyone. You guys agree? This is God's word after all. So we're going to look at starting in verse 2, 1 Peter 5, 2. And it says, to the elders among you, I want you to shepherd God's flock among you. So, let's just stop there. What is a shepherd? I want you guys to fill in the definition. What do you guys know about a shepherd, the job of a shepherd? What's a shepherd's responsibilities? Uh, I'd like to hear anybody have a, a comment on that. Dennis? Safety. safety. A shepherd's responsibility is safety, is to provide sha- safety. A shepherd leads. What's Yeah, a shepherd doesn't just lead, he protects at all costs. Yeah, the shepherd takes care of the sheep. That's good. Melody? He provides. He provides for the needs of the sheep. So when one is lost, the shepherd goes and finds it. He Feeds the sheep. Yeah. So I think we have a pretty good idea of what a shepherd is. We're going to see some more of this uh, as we progress through some of the passages that we read this morning. But among them, yeah, feeding the sheep, caring for the sheep, protecting the sheep, leading the sheep. The word for shepherd, poimano, it's used 11 times. And it is a word that means to feed sheep. To pasture or to tend a flock, and there 's a lot of examples um, in in scripture where we have uh, been described shepherds in that role of church leaders as shepherding so today, in our passage as we 're going to keep reading here further into verse two we 're going to encounter some like negative. Something like, don't do it this way. Right? I'm sure you heard that from what we, what we had. And so we're going to kind of look at the don'ts. How not to be a good shepherd. And then we're going to come back and we're going to look at the positive side of it. And what it looks like to have the heart of a shepherd. And so, uh, so our first um, in, from verse 2. Shepherd God's flock among you. Not overseeing out of compulsion. But freely. And so the idea of compulsion or under-compulsion, its this, this word, whatever it is, an, ancastos, uh, it's only used one time. It talks about being constrained and ha- being forced to do something that you weren't really wanting to do. The idea is don't do it unwillingly. Don't do it unwillingly. It says, don't do it unwillingly. Under, uh, not overseeing out of compulsion, but freely. And this overseeing word, it has to do with like watching into, looking over. It's used uh, a lot of times to, to talk about, like we talk about the word of o- an overseer, is someone who's, who's uh, we think of it as like involved in making sure something is done right or well. You know what I mean? All right, so we have the word, don't oversee out of compulsion, and then it says, but freely. So the second one, well, what I, I, I want to give that this uh, idea of begrudgingly. You know what that word means? Like where you're going to do it, but I don't really want to do it. Like I'll bring you a towel for the dog, but I don't really want to do it. I'm going this direction, and here's a bowl. And yeah, the dog can be there, I guess. All right. The second word, the second part from 5 verse 2 says, According to God's will, not for the money, but eagerly. And so not for the money, but eagerly. And so other translations talk about not greedily, not not for gain. And this is interesting to me. I mean, there's not really a lot of you in this room that are getting money for your your ministry. In fact, I might be the only one here getting paid for serving you this morning. In, in a sense, I am a shepherd, right? And I have been empowered by you guys to, to shepherd, and I've, I'm getting, like, um, an income that I live on. And so, like, is, it, is this, like, am I, is I, am I breaking God's word right here, you know? And we support our pastor. It talks about in other passages to support your pastors with a double portion and things like that. And so there's this attitude, though, that it's cautioning against that if you're serving for the money, you're missing the mark. And it calls us into question. And, and so I'm not trying to soften it, but I think another way to make it more uh, maybe uh, approachable is, are you in it for yourself? Are you looking to benefit yourself in your shepherding role? Jesus talks about the hassles of a hired hand. And I want to read that in John 20. Uh, or John 10, verse 11. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man, since he's not the shepherd, doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep. And so there's this warning to shepherds. Don't be in it for some sort of gain or some personal benefit for you. Because the hired man doesn't care about the sheep. All right, we're going to move on to number three, the third part. It's from 1 Peter 5, 3, the third negative. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Not lording it over those entrusted to you. And you know what I want to do? I want to read this section from Ezekiel. So if you go to Ezekiel chapter 34, we're going to read verses 1 to 6. Because here are some shepherds that missed the mark. The word of the Lord came to me. Ezekiel speaking. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? You eat the fat, wear the wool, you butcher the fattened animals, but you do not tend to the flock. You've not strengthened the weak, healed the sick. Bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you've ruled over them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. My flock went astray on all the mountains on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole face of the earth, and there was no one searching Or seeking them out. So what do we see here? What were these shepherds doing? Wes? They were messing around. And they were not keeping their promise to God. You guys agree with that? And they were... Treating these animals harshly, right? This is a metaphor. He's talking to the leaders of Israel with rules and violence, cruelty. And the result what's the effect on the sheep? Yeah, it's not good. And what happened to the sheep? Where did they go? They just scattered. You know, I was reading a book this week and it says, it has a quote in there I really like, and it says, I forget. (laughs) No. It talks about flock tend to gather where there's a shepherd. And I think that's interesting because that's the opposite, right, of what we just read. When the shepherd... And the shepherd, maybe, maybe he's there in, in name, but if he's not being a shepherd, the sheep just go where sheep are going to go. But if you see a flock, if you see a gathering of sheep, there's a good sign that there's a shepherd there. There's a good sign that there's somebody who's feeding and leading and tending to the sheep. So what does God do with these shepherds? In that same passage in verse 10, it says, This is what the Lord says, Look, I'm against the shepherds, and I demand my flock from them. I prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves, for I will rescue my flock from their mouths, so that they will not be food for them. All right, so as we promised, we talked about the negative side of these uh, these statements, how not to shepherd, right? We're going to contrast that with being a good shepherd. The heart of a good shepherd and how, how to guard that heart against the pull of these pitfalls. So, on being a good shepherd. So the first one, actually, firstly is what I meant to say, is that there is one good shepherd. There's only one good shepherd. The good shepherd, John 10, 11. we read it before, but he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And it talked about the hired man. He doesn't. He just packs up and goes. He runs when trouble comes, when the wolf comes. He's like, I'm out of here. But it says this. This happens because he's a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep. The good shepherd cares about the sheep. He even lays down his life for the sheep, right? Right? So in Acts 20, verse 28, there's another uh, similar passage. I'm just going to throw this in there. Be on guard for yourselves and all the flock that the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. That he purchased With his own blood, I love how Paul says that. He's gathered all the leaders from Ephesus, and they came down to meet him. He was in this town, kind of on the bottom of the coast, and they all came down because he he couldn't get up and involved in everything up there. But he calls them down. He's like, hey, I wanted to talk to you guys. I'm on my way to Jerusalem. All I know is the Holy Spirit's been warning me that when I get there, it's going to be trial and tribulation. But I wanted to tell you, be on guard for the flock that is under your care. He gives them this picture and he says, shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. That's Jesus' heart towards this flock. And as shepherds, we are shepherding his flock that is among you. All right. So a good shepherd cares for the sheep. The heart of a good shepherd, and we're going to talk about these three pieces, and we're going to look at the the positive side, and we're also going to to ask, um, what could help me make sure that my heart stays in line with the heart of a good shepherd? Okay, so that's what we're doing this morning. We're going to look at these three, the positive side, learn from them, and then to think, well, is there something that I need to start doing better to make sure that I don't slip down the slippery slope into these pitfalls, all right. So, not begrudging, begrudgingly, all right. So, in uh, our our first one, it talks about talks about not serving out of compulsion, right, but freely. And so, the word there, hekuisios, it's used two times, and the idea is when it says freely, it's, it's talking about voluntarily it's talking about spontaneously he's like yeah i'm not begrudgingly like i'll do it but i don't want to but rather i am i'm 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 ready i'm i'm going let's do it there's no holding back i see a need i want to meet it let's get on the ball ezekiel 34 it said Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. But you should be ready to tend to the flock. But I want to think about our hearts for a minute, and I want you to think about your heart. Have you ever gotten to the point where you started to begrudgingly do something? Where you started to kind of like begrudgingly serve the Lord? Are you on a ministry team right now? Have you ever started to feel like you're doing this under some sort of compulsion? When does taking care of something or someone become uh, like we're feeling like we're doing it under compulsion? When does it start to feel like that? When my focus is selfish, when it starts to be uncomfortable, I want to suggest that... There's a way here that we could keep the heart of a good shepherd that's spontaneous and voluntarily willing to serve that doesn't become begrudgingly in the service of Jesus and people by focus on keeping space in your life and in your heart. By keeping space in your life and your heart. Think about it. Like, why don't I want that dog in my life? Because I have another dog already, who's blind and can't hear, and just runs across the street at moments' notice. Like I've got stuff to deal with already. You know what I mean? Like I'm full. Like really. Like and I got I've got four other monkeys, i mean, children, and we're taking care of somebody's mouse. <laughs> and it's like you know what I mean. Like I got a lot of stuff going on, and this dog, it's just uh, you know, it's got it's got needs. I mean and but like, why, why don't I have space in my heart? And when we start to feel like we're just maxed out, then we don't have the room to listen and to have God move in you to minister to somebody who needs it. There's a lot of things uh, related to that. I'd love to talk to you more about what it looks like to keep space. And, I mean, it's, it's very easy to fill up our time and to move from one thing to the next thing and then the next thing. And then to, uh, to compound upon that. Other responsibilities. And it's, it's hard. And it's work. That's why we have to focus on it. In order for us to make sure that our hearts aren't becoming begrudging when the Lord puts something in your life. Maybe there's things you need to take out of it. Maybe there's some things that you're, you're, you're putting in that jar, and should, your jar is full, and you need to take a look at it and say, well, what are the priorities that need to be here and all the other little bits and pieces that need to fill in around it? Because are they what the Lord wants me to put there? So let's move on to the second one. So we've said that we are to shepherd not for personal benefit, but eager to see the, the but is to eagerly, eager to to what? It says, not for the money, but eager. And I want to say this, eager to see their benefit. I think that would help as if, if we were thinking not about my benefit, but rather their benefit. If the mind of a shepherd and the heart of a shepherd, if it was focused on how it can benefit the other, and eagerly pursue that, it would be easier uh, to, to fulfill that role. Ezekiel 34, 3-4 three, three says, You eat the fat, you wear the wool, you butcher the fattened animal, but you don't tend to the flock. You've not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. You've not strengthened, you haven't sought to seek the wholeness of somebody else, you're okay. The, the dog can't even poop right. We won't talk about the dog anymore. But when you think about the wholeness, like my wife really wants to see this. Oh, I'm not going to talk about the dog. Okay, one more time. The wholeness of this animal restored, right? To fully function like it should for however long it has left. It, you see, I still call it it. <laughs> That's funny to me. Um, so there's the encouragement that I want to share for shepherds to make sure that their heart doesn't slide into this, what do I get out of it mentality. Or that you, if you're ministering or you're thinking about joining a ministry team, if you're serving here and you're, 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 you're tending to the flock that is among you, then I want to encourage you with this. Focus on restoration. Focus on that person being restored. The idea is that the shepherd is one that restores. Psalm 23, you guys know this. I want to read four, four verses of it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, He leads me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. He restores my soul. In 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about the ministry of reconciliation. And he says, be reconciled to God. And he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation, of seeing men, women, whole families be reconciled to God. And this idea of restoration, of of wanting to see broken things made whole, of seeing wounds healed, seeking the ones who are scattered. Sometimes we avoid the hurting and the hopeless. Focusing on restoration is a cure for the selfish shepherd's heart because restoration and reconciliation, it's a process. It doesn't happen in a brief meeting during church on Sunday. It doesn't happen in one sit-down in the office. It takes into account the whole of a person. It values them. It sees them as, as Jesus does, a whole person. And it sees hope for them that they can't see for themselves. It sees spiritual maturity, that it's, it's not there yet. It's eager to give, give. It's eager to give what they need when they need it. The shepherd sees the flock, the sheep, understands their need, and will take what he has and what the Lord gives and administers it to them. Felt needs at first, maybe. And then the real need. And so our third, not lording it over, but being examples. In Ezekiel 34, verse 4, it talks about them, but you've treated them harshly, with cruelty. And the result is that they've scattered all over the face of the earth. So you're out. And this idea of not lording it over, and it says, but being examples, right? This word for example is T-Y-P-O-S, typos. It's used 15 times. And it's actually used, you know, when, um, when Doubting Thomas, he was like, you know what, I'm going to believe it when I see it. When I see the typos in his hands, and I can touch it. And the idea is, is that it has to do with a striking, right? Think of a, I don't know why I'm thinking about a typewriter. I think about a typewriter. You hit the things and it goes up and it types. It's this—it's like the first four letters, T Y P, right? Or three letters. Um, and the idea of, of this is the striking left an imprint, an indentation. In fact, this imagery is kind of cool because it challenges us. Be an example. Be, be, be like an imprint. Be so imprinted with God's word and the message of Jesus Christ and living from that you become an example. It's almost like you could trace out the lines of your life if you wanted to. And, and to know that that, what you've traced, is an imprint of of Christ's heart. Maybe you've known somebody who's been like this to you. I see the way that person lives and follows Jesus, and I want to trace out their imprint. They're an example to me. They're an example to me. I want to be like that in that way. And it says, shepherds, you're not there just to lord it over people on some sort of power trip. But no, your life is an imprint of Christ so that people can follow. And I want to encourage you with this. Now, if you find that you're in danger of slipping down the slope, of of becoming someone who prefers mandates and uh, rules and decisions from afar, uh, instead of walking alongside people then I want to encourage you to focus on mentoring and equipping. Getting right down in there next to people. Walking alongside of them as they try to live life as a follower of Jesus. That takes time. It doesn't take time to sit in my office and make a decision, right? It doesn't take time for you to call someone up and say, you should have done it this way. All right, talk to you later. It takes time for you to walk alongside somebody long enough and say, let me hear what you're going through. And this I'm saying to you because you can do this and you should do this, church. We actually need to be doing this. We are here to build up one another and that's gonna look like you opening up your life so that people can see the real you And learn from you as you follow Christ. And they learn from you. So we tried to walk through these three things, these three challenges. And uh, we looked at the negative side and we looked at the positive side. And with each one, we've tried to uh, make sure that we, we keep a heart that's free and that's eager. And a life that's molded. And in order to do that, I would encourage you to keep space. In your life to focus on restoration seeing people come to be restored broken things made new whether it's a relationship a marriage addiction financially focus on the person's wholeness spiritually coming to Jesus and the third thing is to focus on mentoring and equipping equipping the Saints for works of service right All right, in verse 4, and we are going to be um, moving shortly into a time of communion. And uh, so um, you can be uh, preparing for that. But verse 4, the rewards of being a good shepherd. We've talked about the heart of a good shepherd. Now the rewards of being a good shepherd, verse 4 of 1 Peter 5. When the chief, chief shepherd appears, the chief shepherd appears, Jesus, when he appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory and there is some glorious rewards awaiting those who are called to shepherd and chief among them would be partnership with the chief shepherd and i don't i'm sure you have never watched one um raise your hand though if you have i watched for the first time a sheep dog competition A sheepdog competition. Those are really interesting. And here's this dog. I have a friend who's got an Australian shepherd. They're really excited about their dog. They have an Australian shepherd. I wasn't gonna, yeah. And this, and the way that this dog can move these sheep, and there's like a little, a small herd of sheep, and this sheepdog, but it's not doing it on its own. In fact, there's this guy over here, and he's, in the analogy, he's the, the chief shepherd. It's, it's God's instructions, right? And he's over there, and he has to stand in this little spot. And he can talk to the dog. And the dog is down here, and he's like over here, and he's over here, and he's doing all these things, and he runs all the way over here, and then, and he's corralling these sheep. And the sheep and shepherd, or the, the master of the sheep dog, is like... You just see his mouth moving. He's saying something to the dog, and the dog's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And the sheep shepherd... Uh, well, that worked. The sheep shepherd. Uh, he's, he's given instructions to the, the sheep dog. Partnership with the chief shepherd. The shepherd doesn't make up his own agenda. The shepherd doesn't have his own plan. It's not his will. He's listening to what God says and what's written in his word. And he's, and he's pointing to it. He's pointing to Jesus Christ. Walking alongside of you. Look. This is who I, I'm, I'm seeing. This is what I see in Christ. This is what I've been trying to do. How are you doing there? Partnership with the chief, chief shepherd and the unfading glory. Uh, knowing you're invested into something that's eternal is awesome. Right? I mean, there's nothing more awesome than, than mentoring and equipping and walking alongside someone as they fall in love with Jesus and learn to obey And to trust Jesus. And there is a crown. And that is put out there as a reward that is desirable. Because you're banking on the future. You're investing in eternal things. And so we look to eternal things for our reward. The work isn't glamorous, but there are tremendous rewards for those who invest and store up treasures in heaven, right? All right. And like I said, we're going to move into a time of communion. And the elements are here in front. And there will be pray uh, an opportunity for you to pray over on the wings. Um, there will be people there who are willing to take uh, you to the Lord in prayer. I want us to, to read from First Corinthians. If I speak... Human or angelic languages but don't have love, I'm a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I donated all of my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast but don't have love, I gain nothing. The warning this morning is that sometimes we can start to think we're pretty special. I asked the youth band who led us in worship this morning to read the account of Peter, starting from the conversation about who was the greatest. Do you guys remember that? Thank you guys for reading that. Who's the greatest? And who's greater? This is what their argument was. And then Peter's overconfidence about his place and his strength and his posture, his endurance. That he knew that he was going to follow Jesus, no matter what. Might we say that we left Peter in a very humbling place. Out weeping in the garden. Because he couldn't believe where he had gotten so quickly. Indeed, Satan was trying to sift him. He felt, he felt it. He knew it. And he knew that he blew it. And he couldn't believe that he blew it. Jesus had even warned him. And he just felt so terrible and selfish and dirty. Only hours before, he felt so right and so powerful and so committed. John 21, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Simon says, I'm going to go fishing. And his friends say, I'm going to go too. And they all go fishing together. They went out to the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Until daybreak came and Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. Men, you don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat. And you'll find some. So they did. And they were unable to haul it in because of the great number of fish. And so Peter says, Jesus! And he jumps out of the boat, and he's just swimming to Jesus. He knows it's Jesus. And the rest of them, they stay in the boat, and they row to shore, dragging the net full of fish. They got out on land, and Jesus had started a fire. And fish were on it, and bread. Bring some of the fish that you caught. So Peter grabs the entire net, full of fish, 153 of them. And he drags them all over there. Jesus says, come and have breakfast. Jesus came and he took bread and he gave it to them. He also gave them the fish. Now, this is the third time Jesus has appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to them. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told them. A second time he asked them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep. He told him, And he asked him the third time, Simon, do you, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved that he had asked him that third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. And you know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Feed my sheep. And then he said to them, follow me. And now here's the same Peter here in the rest of our passage from 1 Peter 5, challenging you and me and those in church leadership and those who are not. And he says, all of you put on humility toward one another. 1 Peter 5, 5-7, to in the same way, you younger men, be subject to the elders, and all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And here's where we're going this morning, as we take communion and worship. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your care on him, because he cares about you. Peter was a amazing shepherd, and shepherds don't come to the lord uh, perfect and neither do you we come to the lord humbly and we all come to the lord humbly and so as we take communion as like i said there's going to be opportunity to pray and we're going to be worshiping together you can come up and take communion and to know that god's heart he's the good shepherd Cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. You are the sheep of his pasture. Humble yourselves, because he cares for you. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would allow these things to continue to stir in our hearts, Lord. And even as we come before your table, I pray that you would deal with us. And I pray that we would be real before you thank you for your word thank you for your grace because Lord you give grace to the humble and that's what we want Lord is your grace washing over us thank you Lord